0: In general, I am involved with the trust and probate section of our bar, and there's been a lot of discussion between the section members about how is this going to play out, because this is really an unprecedented event where we have had this man who committed this terrible, terrible act, but then he has an estate, like he has, from what we've been able to gather, he has a significant estate to probate and to have people make claims against that estate, the victims, and have his estate be distributed to those victims.
1: Right now I have about 180 files and we anticipate there's going to be more because there's a lot of issues that haven't come down the pike yet, especially with debts, you know, different bills, people, you know, after they're out of work for a certain amount of time having landlord-tenant issues, um, other, you know, mortgage issues or different things that, that right now they're not really thinking about but yeah as of right now the immediate uh, response was 180 185 cases have been taken
2: welcome to the award-winning podcast lawyer to lawyer with j craig williams and robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession you're listening to legal talk network
3: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I write a blog called Law Sites, also host another Legal Talk Network program called Law Technology Now, along with Monica Bay. My co-host, J. Craig Williams, is in court today and unable to be with us. Before we introduce today's topic, I would like to just take a moment to thank our sponsors, our all-important sponsors. We appreciate that they do this. Cleo and Letera. Clio is a cloud-based practice management software that makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. And Latera is the authority on document creation, collaboration, and control. Increase your productivity, collaborate securely, and ensure protection of your vital information. Learn more at www.latera.com. Com. On the night of October 1st, a shooter opened fire from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel Casino in Las Vegas into a crowd attending the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. The tragedy left 58 people dead and more than 500 wounded. In the days and weeks since, we've heard about the victims. We've heard about many of the heroes who helped the victims that night We've heard about the ongoing investigation, but one thing we haven't really heard a lot about is the inevitable legal problems that will be encountered by the families of those who died or were injured in this tragedy, anywhere from simple probate matters to benefits, insurance claims, employment matters. So we're going to look at that side of this story a little bit today, and to help us do that, we have two different guests, both of us who were joining us from Las Vegas. First of all, let me introduce Tanil Pereira. Tanil is on the staff of the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada as an attorney in the Consumer Rights Project. She advocates for clients in a wide array of consumer-related matters, including predatory lending practices, varying types of automobile fraud, illegal repossession, Fair Debt Collection Practices, Act Matters, and Foreclosure and Mediation. Let me welcome to uh, Lawyer to Lawyer, Tanil Pereira. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Also joining us today is Kristen M. Tyler. Kristen is a founding partner with the law firm Garmin, Turner, Gordon in Las Vegas. Her practice is focused primarily on estate planning, probate, and guardianship matters. She helps families design and implement comprehensive estate plans utilizing various trusts, wills, and other techniques for estates of all sizes. Uh, and Kristen is also an active member of the probate trust section of the State Bar of Nevada. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Kristen Tyler. Thanks, Bob. Before we get to kind of discussing the, uh, the legal issues here, I, I wanted to ask each of you, just as, as residents uh, of Las Vegas, how this impacted you or your lives personally. Sunil, how about how about you?
1: So that um, morning, I woke up to the news because I actually go to bed pretty early. Um, I woke up and turned on the news, getting ready for work. And, you know, the whole world just seemed to slow down and stop. Watching it and realizing that this happened in Las Vegas was devastating. It just felt like, you know, the whole community had been attacked. You know, I wanted to freeze the day and keep my children inside and sit on the couch with my husband and my kids and just not have to face the world just because this news was so shocking and devastating.
3: Were you impacted in any any of your family members or anything in any way impacted in this?
1: Fortunately not. Um I did have a cousin that was in town and he was just a block away from the incident, so I was following his Facebook page and his updates that, you know, they were stuck down there, they couldn't get their car. You know, I told him, hey, let me know. I'll come pick you up so that, you know, you're out of this craziness that's going on. But fortunately, you know, my family was, it was a Sunday night. So we were all at home in bed waiting for work and school in the morning, which is probably why you had so many out of state residents there, because I think they were on vacation where the rest of us were mostly dealing with work. I did have um, one of my children, their science teacher was there. And so, you know, he came home pretty upset that day saying, you know, my science teacher didn't come and they told us that the teacher was at the event and, you know, he was pretty upset. So we had to have some, you know, hard conversations, but same with, you know, with all our kids, we had to have that conversation of, you know, bad things happening out in the world. And, you know, their sense of security is shaken, you know, this is their town, but really, fortunately we didn't have anything beyond that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Those are tough conversations to have. Right. Kristen, how about you? What was your just reaction, uh, you know, generally about about what happened?
0: Pure shock. Pure shock about what happened. Especially I did unfortunately have a number of people in my circle who were there and were affected. Most closely was a a coworker whose young son was attending the concert. Oh. I say young, relatively young. And um he was uh shot in the chest, hospitalized for I think about a week. He's home now. Physically, he's healing. He's going to be fine. Mentally, I think he has a long way to go. You know, I can count on both hands the number of people I know that were shot at the concert. It's just crazy to me to be sitting here talking with people about, well, yeah, did you hear? So and so got shot, and so and so got shot. Like these are people we know. These are these are members of our legal community, of our our overall community, and it's just bizarre that we know so many people now that have been shot. And thankfully, all those I know personally uh, survived although i think they all have a very long way to go mentally as does our entire community but fortunately no one in my direct circle lost their life but they they were really their lives were tremendously changed that night there's no doubt about that
3: yeah they get changed forever i mean i've 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 not been through something like that, but I was I was uh, working in, in New York on the day 9-11 happened. And, uh, again, I wasn't directly impacted other than uh, the fact that I was working for a newspaper that day and uh, had to kind of turn around and, you know, you're, you're kind of in, in – you're numb over what's happening. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, you've got to get to work and things are happening and, and you got to carry on and, and telling your family about it and talking to your family is extremely difficult. But one of the things that happened uh, in in Las Vegas, uh, Tanil, was uh, you can tell us about this. But the, the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada responded fairly soon after the shooting with an offer of free civil legal help to victims and their family members. Can you tell us about about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our executive director, Barbara Buckley has a lot of community contacts. She's an amazing woman. She's done amazing things um, in the legal community. And I think she knew, um, she had the foresight that there are going to be a lot of legal issues for these individuals that have gone through this. Um, And so she put the word out there. We also have this amazing structure in our office that this is what we do. You know, we, we talk to people that are in the need, um, and then we contact them, and you know, some of the issues can be handled in-house with our staff attorneys, and then we have this whole pro bono network with the legal community outside of our office already in place. So, we knew that, you know, yeah, it would be like a huge influx, and it would be a big project, but we knew we had the infrastructure already set up, we had the connections already there. So if anyone you know in the legal community in town could quickly step in and uh, meet this need, we knew that we could.
3: And the State Bar of Nevada is involved in this as well. Do I understand that correctly?
1: Yes, that is true. Um, so the State Bar of Nevada is helping us with any of our out-of-state referrals. As I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of people from out-of-town that were here attending the event. So what happens is they're kind of all coming through our office, um, through our process, and if it is something that where they need an out-of-state attorney, we're going through the state bar um, and they are going ahead and contacting the state bar of the state uh, where the representation is needed to get them the pro bono attorney that way.
3: What kind of response has there been to your offer?
1: So as of now sitting at my desk right now I have about 180 files that we have taken and we anticipate there's going to be more because there's a lot of issues that haven't come down the pike yet especially with debts, you know, different bills, people, you know, after they're out of work for a certain amount of time having landlord tenant issues, um other, you know, mortgage issues or different things that that right now they're not really thinking about. But, yeah, as of right now, the immediate uh, response was 180, 185 cases have been taken.
3: And are those all Nevada residents or are those, do those include out of state cases?
1: Those include out of state cases also.
3: Okay, so ones that you've referred out.
1: Right. The majority of the cases that we've actually gotten, even though we did have so many out of state visitors, have been in Nevada. And that's probably uh, most likely due to the fact that the Family Assistance Center. Um, that was set up, was physically set up in the state of Nevada, in Vegas.
3: And can you uh, sort of generally characterize the kinds of cases that you're seeing coming out of this?
1: I can. So I can tell you right now, the majority of the cases that we have are employment-related cases. Um, There were a number of individuals that were working there, and some were injured. You know, many weren't injured, but yet they're also very traumatized. And then you have the issue of they were told it was staffing so that they were contractors. They weren't employees entitled to unemployment, compensation, um, those types of things. And then there's also been, you know, some issues raised with us, whether or not that they were paid in full. As you can imagine, there were lots of cash tips. And those cash tips, nobody seems to know where they are right now. There's, you know, some allegations that's been, you know, handed over here, or they think, you know, this entity has it. Um, and there were also tips that were being paid essentially through the wristbands of um, the concert growers. And so they were supposed to be distributed at the end of Sunday, and none of that got distributed. So there's a lot of issues dealing with that kind of stuff.
3: That's really interesting. So there must be, uh, are there also injury-related, workers' compensation, that kind of thing, I assume, as well.
1: Yes. And then, you know, some of them, you know, it's, it's such a horrible event. You have people there, they're working and now, and then they're running for their lives because they're being shot at. Of course. Yeah. Um, and the type of work they do is large venues like that. Like, that's what they do. And now they're so traumatized, they're like, I can't go back to that. I can't go back to that situation. Um, And then they couldn't go to work, you know, for a set time. So it just created a lot of issues that I think is going to also balloon down the road.
3: Yeah. Kristen, what about in your practice? Are you seeing any of these cases coming into your office? Are you getting involved uh, in any way with, you know, the uh, after effects of of this tragedy?
0: Um, Yes and no. Any direct cases, not yet. However, my practice is primarily uh, estate planning and probate, so this would fall into the probate realm of my practice, and I think uh, it's probably just much too soon for the families of these victims to be thinking about legal matters quite yet. However, just in general, I am involved with the trust and probate section of our bar, and there's been a lot of discussion between the section members about how is this going to play out because this is really an unprecedented event where we have had this man who committed this Terrible, terrible act. Um, but then he has an estate. Like he has, from what we've been able to gather, he has a significant estate to probate and to have people make claims against that estate, the victims, and have his estate be distributed to those victims. I don't know if there's ever been another tragedy like this in history where the person who carried this out had a significant estate. So there's a lot of interesting probate issues that are kind of uncharted waters in that regard. But the first step would be for someone to be appointed uh, administrator to oversee his estate. And there have been a couple of petitions filed to initiate that action. And so, uh, and I just checked this morning, knowing that we were going to talk today, there's been a hearing set for November 17th. Um, And I don't know if it will be decided that day who will be the administrator or if that will be the first in a series of hearings to determine who it will be. It's been suggested that our public administrator, who's a county employee, should do that work. I know that he has um, expressed objections to that because it would extremely burden his staff. They are not a large staff, and this is, has the potential to be a very, very large and complex probate matter because of the number of claimants that we anticipate will make claims against the shooter's estate. So, again, so there's been a suggestion it should be the public administrator, and a local attorney did put his hat in the ring, but then withdrew it. It's also been discussed with the members of the probate bar that maybe one of our local private fiduciaries should take that on, maybe like a local bank or trust company, uh, just to have a a team of an institution overseeing that to make sure it's done properly and as quickly as we can, because certainly everyone wants these funds to get out to the victim's family as quickly as possible. So one thing I think is important to note is for anyone impacted that does want to make a claim against the estate there's going to be a deadline to do that. Um, Once the probate is officially started, someone's appointed, they will publish a notice to creditors. And then anyone who believes they have a claim against the estate will have 90 days to make a claim. Now, I don't want people to go into a panic over that right now, but it's something that anyone impacted by this needs to have on their radar. And certainly once that deadline is set, they are going to be publicizing that deadline everywhere through the legal aid center, through our state bar, through the different sections of the state bar. And I would anticipate that even we would have some media assistance to help spread that word to make sure everyone knows. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And uh, that's once those deadlines are set is when I think myself and my fellow members of the probate bar, that's when we're really going to get busy.
3: I want to follow up on that, but I need to take a short break for word from our sponsors. So stay with us. We will be right back to talk more about the uh, legal outfall of the Las Vegas shootings. Documents are the currency of business. They represent you in every business interaction. Executives need to know what changes have occurred in documents, what metadata risks exist, and how to encrypt, share, and collaborate securely. Latera simplifies the document creation and collaboration process to protect you from risk and loss of reputation. Latera offers better solutions for document lifecycle management so you can focus on doing what really matters. www.latera.com Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice, from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up at their website, clio.com, that's C-L-I-O.com, with the code L2L10, that's L2L, the number 10. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi. Joining us today are attorney Tanil Pereira from the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada and attorney Kristen Tyler, founding partner with the law firm of Garmin, Turner, Gordon in Las Vegas, and we're talking about the legal issues stemming from the tragic shooting in Las Vegas. And Chris, I I wanted to just follow up on the question of these claims against the estate. I I assume victims or, or victims' families will be pursuing personal injury claims uh, in a number of cases. And I assume those are going to be not just against the shooter here, but also against uh, other potential defendants from gun manufacturers to hotels to whoever else might be. Uh, How do those relate to the probate claims? If if there's a personal injury claim pending, uh, does the probate process have to await the outcome of those claims?
0: It may, yes. And Within, again, the leadership of the bar and and discussions with the bench, we've talked and we're trying to figure out a way to streamline that to maybe get a special master appointed to oversee all of that and try to combine it into one action to streamline it, get it under one jurisdiction of the court, and um, try to deal with it as expeditiously as possible. Uh, Again, this is just largely unprecedented, so we're not sure about that. But the key thing is that someone who's been hurt is going to file a claim against the estate they'll probably lodge a dollar amount, or they may say dollar amount unknown. And that's when the administrator, whoever gets appointed, is then going to have to go back and forth to determine what is the value of the injury there, for lack of a better phrase. And I've heard that with the victim's fund that was raised, and this is kind of a separate issue, but um, with the victim's fund, apparently they will come up with different categories for people who were harmed. Obviously, those who lost their lives would be the top category for compensation from the Victims Fund, and we've had conversations about some sort of similar structure for claims against the estate. I don't have a a great answer for you right now just because this is so unprecedented, but I just want people to know that the bar is looking for ways to streamline it, to manage those claims as quickly as possible, and like I said, get the money out to the victims as quickly as possible because that's where it needs to go.
3: So I was not even aware that there had been a victim's fund established. So there's there's been a, a compensation fund similar to what's been established in the wake of, of way too many other tragedies at this point in this country. Uh, that's happened now already, or is that something that's still being talked about?
0: There has. So there was a one of our county commissioners, thesis Salak, uh, along with our sheriff, they set up a GoFundMe page for the victims. Uh, so it was kind of the official GoFundMe page for all the victims. That combined with money from... MGM, UFC, Zappos, a bunch of different local companies is, according to local newspapers, around $15 million now and probably still growing. The hope is to get all of those funds collected into one victim's pool, one compensation fund for the victims, and then the county has spoken with Ken Feinberg, who has administered other victim's funds for, he just did the Orlando Victims fund. He worked up a 9/11 fund and they he come did in and
3: the 9/11. administer that he's the, he, he's the Dean of the of the compensation funds exactly uh, for certain uh, I actually had the pleasure of presenting him with an award a couple of years ago uh, for his work in, in doing this uh, yeah. over, over a number of funds Tenille, in terms of the uh, people coming to the legal aid center and their offer a of free legal help I mean you, you mentioned employment cases. What about just family issues? Are you seeing any of these? I mean, are, are there issues relating to care of children? Uh, have there been children, you know, orphaned as a result of this? Uh, you see anything along those lines?
1: Absolutely, we have seen that. Um, it's interesting because, you know, when you take one individual out of a family, the whole family dynamic changes. And uh, in these cases, since it was done so tragically, and most of these individuals that lost their lives were young, um, often had, you know, minors that were still living at home that they were supporting. So now the issue becomes, okay, who, you know, is going to be in charge of them? Some of those minors, they don't have parents um, on the other side. They were relying on one parent. So now you have siblings that are coming up and stepping up to the plate and saying, well, I'm going to take, you know, charge of them and help, you know, and raise them. And then you have other family members coming out too saying, well, hold on, I want to be the one to take them. So now you have, you know, their future kind of up in the air and who's going to take them. So that's where we come in and we have been uh, working to get them pro bono attorneys that do family law to file, you know, emergency petitions if they need to be filed um, and work with those families to see how they can help them further. Um, there was There was one uh, really sad case and in an individual that lost his father. He was there at the event with him, you know, watched his father basically get shot and he died. Um, the son also got injured, but he, you know, is still here. But now the issue is uh, where does his minor sister go? And it's kind of like, you know, he wants to hold on to what he has left.
3: Is he an adult?
1: Right. He's an adult, um, but there was one minor sister that still lived in the home. And so now, unfortunately, it looks like there's going to be somewhat of a battle amongst the family members of, you know, what happens to the minor daughter. But then also, you know, this, this poor individual, you know, he has all of these other issues to deal with, too. Right. And he's sh- scrambling, trying to hold on to, you know, the, the semblance of the family that that he had, and deal with all of these other issues, um, including, you know, legal issues. So, you know, hopefully when the dust settles, those things can be worked out. But, you know, I kind of mirror Kristen's response that, you know, a lot of these families just aren't there yet, you know, able to face all of the fallout. Um, You know, the dust is really still settling.
3: Right. Well, I mean, as you say, it sounds like a lot of the fallout from this is is yet to come. You know, uh, people starting to run into problems maybe making their mortgage payments or, uh, you know, dealing with medical bills piling up or insurance uh, claims that aren't paid. This could go on for quite a while. Right. How is the Legal Aid Center? I know that you said that you're working with the bar to refer out out-of-state cases. How are you handling all of these in-state cases?
1: So we have had so many um, local attorneys step up to the plate and say, you know, we want to help here. We want to be involved. The outpouring in the legal community has just been awesome. And so we um, we already have a network of pro bono attorneys that we work with, and now we have just added to that list to get these individuals help. And so if it's not something that um, we're able to handle with our current staff attorneys, we do it through our pro bono program. And those are placing like amazingly fast. I, I walk up to the pro bono director and I say, here's here's this case, here's the situation, here's um, the paperwork. And immediately he's able to place that with somebody because there have been so many attorneys that want to help.
3: That's great to hear. Kristen, you, you mentioned the Claims uh, against the estate of the shooter here. There there were 58 people who died. What about their estates? I I don't know how many of them again were in Las Vegas. I mean, were we're in Nevada or from Nevada, or were uh, just tourists from other places. But are you seeing any of the outflow from that?
0: Again, not yet, but it's it's going to have to happen. And again, when we get that deadline to make a claim, people are going to need to get the legal paperwork and orders. So in order for someone to make a claim on behalf of an estate of someone who was killed in this tragedy, they will have to have someone legally appointed in the probate court, either of where they reside or here if they're from Nevada. So we're waiting to see those come forward. And, you know, our trust and probate section of the bar, we put out a call to those people saying, hey, if people need help making a claim or with any other probate-related issues, who's willing to help? We had over 50 separate law firms that do probate and trust work offer their services, over 50 law firms. So there's a whole tremendous team of probate attorneys locally here who are ready and willing to help those folks once they're able to dive into some of these legal issues associated with the tragedy and certainly once we know the deadline for making those claims.
3: It sounds like uh, both of you are saying you've had a, a great outpouring of volunteer support from lawyers both uh, locally and, and across the country. A lot of the listeners of this program uh, are lawyers. Is there anything more listeners uh, can be doing to help with this? Uh, do you, are you still looking for more volunteers? Is there a place they can go if they want to volunteer? Uh, what can you tell them?
1: So I would say absolutely contact our office because, again, a lot of the individuals that need help have not come out yet. And we know that there's going to be a lot more legal issues developed down the road. So we would love to have their contact information and what um, type of matters they could help in so that when we do have that client walk through the door, we can immediately match them and get their needs met.
3: Okay, great.
0: I would just chime in on that. Yeah. The Legal Aid Center has been phenomenal. The Legal Aid Center kind of been our quarterback on this, and they're the great starting point for anyone in need of legal assistance, or are willing to help provide legal assistance, contact the Legal Aid Center Southern Nevada. They're just such a great resource for our community, uh, especially in light of what happened here. So reach out to them and let us know how you can help.
3: All right. Thanks. We're uh, just about at the end of our time for this program, and I always like to give our guests an opportunity to have a, a final say on what we're talking about. And also, if you uh, do care to let our listeners know more about how they can follow up with you, uh, you uh welcome you to do that as well. So, uh, Taniel Pereira from Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada, why don't we start with you?
1: Okay. So, our organization is the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada. The way that we're helping right now is we're taking cases in-house, and we're also working with pro bono attorneys out in town. So, We would like to thank, first off, all of those amazing pro bono attorneys that we work with day in and day out, and also those ones that have stood up to the plate given the tragedy that has happened and have offered their services. Uh, We could not do what we do without the support of the legal community in town. If you have not reached out yet and you would like to um, offer your services to help, please contact us. Our pro bono director's name is Noah Malgeri and he will, you know, take your information and get you hooked up with some of these cases.
3: All right. Thanks a lot, Tennille. And Kristen Tyler from the law firm of Garvin Turner-Gordon, how about you?
1: The
0: best way, if anybody needs to get in touch with me uh, regarding ways to help or questions about probate or state issues, uh, is our website, www.gtg.legal. And I guess my other two cents is just, to remind everyone the importance of estate planning, even if it's simple estate planning. Estate planning documents can make situations like these that are just so horrible to even imagine a lot more easier to deal with when you have the documents in place to say who should be in charge of things, who should be caring for minor kids, who should be exercising powers of attorney for those people that are injured. So, this is just a great reminder to everybody listening to hopefully get their own estate planning in place and also to advise their clients and the people in, in their circles that it's really important to get the estate planning done no matter how young you may be because you just never know when you're going to need it.
3: And it's a really sad reminder that your life can change in an instant and uh, you need to have this stuff. You need to have your ducks in order you uh, know, just because you just never know. Well, thank you very much. I I, uh, applaud both of you uh, and uh, the Legal Aid Center of Nevada and the State Bar of Nevada and Barbara Buckley, the Executive Director there at the Legal Aid Center, and both of you for all the great work you're doing around this. And I really appreciate both of you taking the time to be with us today. So thanks a lot to both of you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you, Bob.
3: And that brings us to the end of our show for today. If you like what you hear on Lawyer to Lawyer, please feel free to rate us in Apple Podcasts. This is your host, Bob Ambrogi, on behalf of J. Craig Williams, my co-host, and everybody at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks a lot for listening, and join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks
2: for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosio for their next podcast, covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes.